You're listening to the Fix the Money, Fix the World show on the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast Network. Here's your host, Luke Mikich. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. And wherever you are around the world, I hope you are doing well and surrounding yourself with like-minded Bitcoiners. If not, here is an hour and a half of me rambling about Bitcoin and explaining what Bitcoin is from a very first principles and a very beginner-friendly approach. Uh, In this podcast, we are going to be doing something a little bit differently again. I'm going to actually play you a recording um, of a Twitter Spaces session, believe it or not, which I got asked to appear on. a lovely lady by the name of Denise Headley just messaged me on Twitter one day and said, hey, look, I heard you talking about uh, Bitcoin the other day. Would you like to come on my show, the Headley Highlights, and explain what Bitcoin is from a very, very kind of beginner level, entry level uh, perspective. So that's what I'm going to play for you guys today. If you have a family member or a friend who needs to know what Bitcoin is from a very basic, very kind of beginner 101 approach, you can feel free to send them this podcast because uh, in it, I explain what Bitcoin is. I explain what a blockchain is. I explain why uh, Bitcoin is the greatest invention in human history and the importance of creating a money that for the first time in 5,000 years takes the power out of the hands of our rulers, our kings, our emperors, or our governments who have the ability to create money out of thin air. And I kind of talk about the importance and uh, what Bitcoin is and the effects that that kind of money will have on society and civilization. I do think it's profound, the impacts that Bitcoin will have on us, but obviously I am rambling a little bit. I apologize about that. I hope you enjoy this show. If you know a friend or a family member who needs a 101 Bitcoin explainer, you can send them this podcast. I really hope it helps. Um, something else that helps. Uh, massive thank you to today's show sponsor, who is Shift Crypto. In this interview, I obviously talk about the importance of self-custody and taking self-sovereignty of your Bitcoin a lot. And I think the best way to do that is to go and get a hardware wallet. I've used them all. Go and get yourself a Bitbox 02 hardware wallet by Shift Crypto. Um, it is honestly the easiest and the most beginner-friendly hardware wallet I have used out of all of the options that are available on the Bitcoin market. Um, so if you guys want 5% off a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet, you can head to Shift Crypto and use the promo code Bitcoin Made Simple. That is Bitcoin Made Simple, no spaces. And you guys can get 5% off a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Um, I really hope you enjoy the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet, but also this show. Let me know what you guys thought. You can hit me up on Twitter. Um, honestly, hit me up over there. That's where I spend all of my time. Um, anyway, hope you guys have a good day and um, enjoy this one. See ya. Like you guys touched on it as I was coming in, like Bitcoin is the first form of money in human history that can't be controlled by anyone. And that is the idea of Bitcoin. We want to create a form of money that's essentially governed by rules and not rulers. And that's what Bitcoin has done and will continue to do. So tell us, right, what has happened in the marketplace? Because I saw this week that there was a, that um, Crypto G alluded to, or he, he, he didn't allude to, he spoke a little bit about the lunar situation and that that caused other ripples 
in the marketplace and i just wondered if you could give us a little bit more could you just also just 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 tell us a little bit about you and what your expertise is and you know how you know because uh, you're in in your um, bio you talk about education and learning and this is one of the reasons why i wanted you in the space so could you just give us a little bit of a background because i wasn't able to get a bio to give you a proper introduction yeah so um, i'm a full-time writer and researcher in the bitcoin space um, i have my own podcast um, I write scripts and do research for a pretty large YouTuber. Uh, his name's Mark Moss. Most of you guys okay. might know him. Um, I write articles for another two different Bitcoin companies, and I manage a Twitter account for a Bitcoin company called uh, CoinBeast. Um, so I'm full-time in the Bitcoin space, and I absolutely love it. Cool. Um, it's the most interesting thing that's happening around the world, um, and that is obviously the disruption of uh, money and state, and that's what I think uh, Bitcoin's doing. Bitcoin's going to separate money and state for the first time in 5,000 years. So I get the privilege to work in the space, and, uh, <laughs> comment and research on that. So I'm lucky. Well, thank you. Yes, well, that sounds really exciting. So tell us a little bit about what's happened in the markets this week. And, what, and bear in mind that some people in this space have got little to no knowledge of what Bitcoin is, what um, the... Um, the, the blockchain is, how these uh, technologies work. So if you could just give us some idea, because we just saw the, the headlines, and for some people it's like, well, what's that all about? Yeah, so um, we can kind of start at a very kind of high level. Um, obviously, everybody focuses on the Bitcoin price, and they don't understand of what the actual asset is. Um, they don't understand that Bitcoin is the first form of money that can be sent anywhere around the world without anybody censoring or stopping that transaction. Uh, most people just think it's another stock that goes up and down in price and it's very volatile. Uh, so that kind of transitions to what's happening to the Bitcoin price. Bitcoin price is down, I think, 60% from its all-time high at $69,000. Um, and that's naturally being caused uh, due to the massive sell-off in the equities market. So the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ and even the bond market, it's all selling off very aggressively because the Fed is raising interest rates. Um, so these traders and these hedge funds... When they sell stocks and they sell their tech stocks, they don't really understand Bitcoin yet, so they also sell their Bitcoin, which is exactly what they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> they should be buying Bitcoin. Bitcoin is savings account. Um, Bitcoin is actually um, an insurance or a hedge on the current system imploding. So when equity markets crash, inflation is very high, and um, global markets around the world are very shaky, people should be buying Bitcoin. Bitcoin is your insurance on the current system blowing up. Um, but obviously, in the short term, these leverage hedge funds don't really understand that yet. They just see Bitcoin as a stock that goes up and down in price. So that's why Bitcoin's been correcting recently. It's been correlated to the, to the stock markets and the equity markets. And it also got caught up in this Terra Luna. Uh, we'll call it a fiasco, for lack of a better word. Um, Terra Luna is a cryptocurrency. It was um, the sixth largest cryptocurrency last week so it actually had a market cap of 35 billion dollars that's huge that's massive 35 billion dollars no no yeah Luke, what does the term market cap mean so market cap is the total amount of money essentially parked into that asset so okay so 35 billion dollars is very large and uh, most people would have heard of uh bernie madoff's ponzi scheme like that blew up 20 or 30 years ago that was one of the largest Ponzi schemes of all time that blew up, and that was about 50 or I think $65 billion. Well, Luna, this cryptocurrency, that was $35 billion. That's how big it was. 
and that and now today it's mm. essentially worth zero <laughs> because it, it is a Ponzi scheme and it only operates when the price goes up. But the reason that Bitcoin's been affected a little bit by Luna as well, not just the equity market sell off, mm-hmm. um, is because Luna, um, the founder, Do Kwon, actually held $1.5 billion of Bitcoin and he is actually using Bitcoin as reserves to back up the stable coin, that UST, which has famously lost its peg this week. And that is kind of what you're seeing the cryptocurrency Luna. Uh, blow up and lose $35 billion of market cap volume. So essentially, the person who created Luna also had Bitcoin, and they hedged the the value of Bitcoin on the Luna. Is that what you, is that what you mean? Exactly. So when the, the US, okay. when that stable coin blew up, what they do is they use their reserves to strengthen the stable coin and try to re-peg it to $1, because stable coins have to be pegged to a dollar. Um, but when that obviously failed, um, they, he had to sell $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, and this was like in the low $30,000. So that's obviously contributed to what pushed Bitcoin down to $25,000 briefly. You know when you make reference to the term stable coin, what is a stable coin? And how does, I mean, how do we understand that um, and what, what a stable coin is? And, and the, the difference it is from Bitcoin, for example, because my understanding of Bitcoin is it's about holding, it's a, it's a store of value as opposed to a, a means of, ex, a medium of exchange currently. I mean, it can be a medium of exchange in certain places because I saw that Gucci apparently are accepting cryptocurrencies in their shops now. But my understanding is essentially is that Bitcoin is a store of value. Like you buy a house, you put it down, it increases in price. So how is that different from a stable coin? Great question. Uh, So Bitcoin is actually both. Bitcoin is money. Um, Bitcoin is a great store of value. Um, And it is also a medium of exchange. It's actually been used as a medium of exchange in six different countries. Um, So there's a city Mm, in Switzerland. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so El Salvador, the entire country is on a Bitcoin standard. Every shop you go to. Uh, you can spend your Bitcoin and use it as a medium of exchange. And there's uh, five other countries that have also made uh, Bitcoin legal tender. So there's a little island in Honduras, uh, Panama, that have wiped all taxes on uh, Bitcoin and quote-unquote crypto uh, transactions. Uh, there's a little city in Switzerland called Luguano. But essentially, the reason Bitcoin's not the best medium of exchange today is because it's still very volatile. So currently, only 1% of the world has bought some Bitcoin. Um, so obviously, it's very volatile and it's very early in its technological adoption life. Um, Bitcoin is the best money ever created by mankind. So I'm assuming that everybody around the world will buy some Bitcoin one day. And when they do, the price will be much, much, much higher. And when everybody has all their savings in Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin somewhere around 50 to $100 million per coin, it'll be a lot less volatile and it'll be a lot easier to use as a medium of exchange because it won't fluctuate much. Um, so that's Bitcoin. Bitcoin's free market money and the value of it fluctuates. So Bitcoin has a cap supply, 21 million coins. The more people that come and buy Bitcoin, um, the higher the demand, the higher the price of Bitcoin will go. So Bitcoin's price fluctuates. Stable Yeah. Yeah, and that's different to stable coins. Stable coins try to maintain a $1 peg. So stable coins try to be stable. They try to always represent $1. Um, So 
And obviously, we have different kinds of stable coins. So there's collateralized stable coins like USDC and Tether, um, and they are well, they're meant to be fully backed one to one by US dollars. So, for example, the USDC stable coins, the second largest um, one in the cryptocurrency ecosystem, um, and that's fifty billion. And what do you use that for? What do you use? Is that something like you know when you say? A USDC is that the actual name of the the product, the coin? It's called a USDC, and yep. companies use it for um, I don't know to for like an investment um, arm. So like if I want to do something with my company, I issue this. Is that what it's for? Is it or does it have a a different objective? Like with SafeMoon, I think SafeMoon have got, they've got like a social program with their coin. Yeah, so SafeMoon's a whole nother can of worms, that is. That's, that's just another example. That'll be another lunar blow-up, but I'm sure we can get into that later. Uh, okay. Just, just try to stay stable. That's all they do. Um, they just try to yeah. represent $1 all the time. So USDC, uh, people use that on exchanges. So when people want to buy Bitcoin on Coinbase or Kraken or Gemini, they send their fiat, so they send their dollars into the exchange. So they'll send their Australian dollars or their US dollars or their Nigerian Naira onto the exchange, and they convert that into stable points. So USDC. What is the exchange? Explain to the listeners what the exchange is and how it operates within the, the world of crypto. And not hugely, but just like you're using the word exchange like everyone in here knows what an exchange is. So I'm just saying, just explain. <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. And always, always pull me up because I'm, I, haven't okay. a beginner, I haven't given a beginner 101 in for a while, so please... Oh, cool. Please, Come to my space me. next time. <laughs> I, love to, I, love to, I love talking about Bitcoin. So an exchange is where you buy Bitcoin. So an exchange is where you meet... Like a marketplace. Exactly right. It's like a stock trading okay. platform. Okay. Um, yeah, so an exchange is just like a Robinhood or a Webull. That's where you buy your stocks. And the same as an exchange, when you own quote-unquote own Bitcoin on an exchange, it's it's not actually yours. Say the exchange gets hacked, your Bitcoin gets hacked, and that's a very big mistake that a lot of people make. People I've got that question here, actually. I actually have that good. question from someone who says, whatever. Please, uh, he actually put this question for Crypto G, but I didn't get in time. The guy says, please ask him about cold wallets and decentralization, and if you could explain those two terms before we do that. The other question he says, no need for the FDIC if people pull their money off the crypto platforms, which is the point you're making, Luke. And the block claim is a ledger. It keeps the transactions aligned. Oh, thank you, whatever. So could you answer that question there about cold wallets and decentralization and how that, what, what that means? Yeah, of course. So holding, holding your own Bitcoin in your own cold wallet. When we say it's cold, that means it's offline. So it's in a wallet that's offline. So that's in like a hardware wallet. Um, and that's the very, very, very important thing about Bitcoin. When you take Bitcoin off an exchange and you hold it in your own wallet, nobody can take it. It's like holding uh, cash under your mattress at home or it's like holding yeah. physical gold and physical silver. Nobody can steal it from you. And that's the very revolutionary okay. part about Bitcoin. When you hold yeah. it on an exchange... Um, you don't actually own the Bitcoin the exchange. So the biggest ones in America are Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini. Um, and that's just like another stock trading platform or it's like having money in the bank. The bank can seize your money out of the bank. 
somebody on the stock trading platform can close your um, open positions like Robinhood did to GameStop in early 2021. Um, and the same oh, thing. Oh, I heard about that. I remember that. Mm. I remember all those people lost their money off the exchange. And I, I think it was something to do with Reddit and they, there was a conversations happening on Reddit and stuff like that. Exactly right. So what happens was a lot of retail traders, um, they were very smart and they figured out how to short squeeze GameStop and they set the price of GameStop rocketing up. Like up, it was up 20 to 30x in a week and this blew up a lot of very large... So hang on, funds. short squeeze, what does short squeeze mean and 20x, what does that mean? So 20x is like a 20,000% rise in price. So the price of GameStop okay. went from like a dollar to a hundred dollars. It went up a lot. Oh, uh, so they inflated the price and then tried to run off with the profit. Kind of, yeah. They, yes. Okay. okay. So they and a short squeeze is they they saw that there were a lot of hedge funds and bankers that were short the GameStop uh, uh, shares. So all that means is when you're short a share. That means you're buying something called a put option. And obviously, this can get very complicated, but essentially, they were betting that the price was going down. So when you okay. do something called a short squeeze, that means that um, if you buy up all the shares and you put lots of buy pressure on that stock, you squeeze the shorts. So that means all of the shorts have to very quickly close their positions and when we say squeeze, that means it just sends the price very, very high because all the people who were okay. betting the price were going down, they all had to close their positions because the price went up. Um, well, I can get very into the weeds with short squeezes, but I think that's a good high-level position. So essentially... No, fine. <laughs> when, yeah, this stuff can get pretty complicated. But essentially, when all of these large hedge funds and bankers on on Wall Street, like Citadel and Melvin Capital, when they started losing billions and billions and billions of dollars when GameStop was going up, the White House, like the actual White House, called Robinhood, the stock trading platform, and told them, hey, look, this short squeeze, the price movement of GameStop is causing financial stress to the system. You need to close down all of these retail accounts you need to close down all of their trades because they're gonna they're about to blow up the financial system. So the stock traders change the rules. When, when whenever the little guy starts to make money, um, the big guy always changes the rules on him. And obviously, um, that's that's why we Bitcoin. <laughs> that's why Bitcoin fixes this. Mm. Well, um, I mean, for me, Lou, I feel quite well. If I'm honest, I'm really pleased that you came into the space to just give us some ideas about what's going on with the crypto market. Because like you said, you haven't done um, a, um, a Bitcoin or a Crypto Talk 101 in this way. And that's really, for me, I'm glad that you, you decided to come here to, to, to do the 101 talk in a sense, because I think there's lots of people who, you know, they're interested in these subjects. And they might not necessarily have the person to talk to or ask questions of or essentially even just listen to. Because one of the reasons I'm interested in Bitcoin um, 
and also a lot of these new products is because one my nephew he has a, a wallet and he's bought some things and we were talking about things earlier in late last year but also because i do a lot of um i, I pop into a lot of twitter spaces and there's loads of, or there's always lots of conversations about bitcoin or nfts or safe moon or you know particular products and i i find it very interesting and that's what i wanted to um bring with a speaker because when i have speakers i always try and get the speakers to come in who have certain levels of expertise so that we can you know ask questions learn things and just generally be exposed to things that we're not usually exposed to so i mean for me it's been a really good opportunity for for people just to learn something else or even just to understand what happened because when i saw the things crashing i thought to myself god this is probably the best time you know if you've got any spare cash buy start scooping up the bitcoin before the price rises because it's gonna i think the price will go back i don't think it's gonna be i think it's just a case of you know from what i can see within the 12 years of i think bitcoin's been around for 12 years i think it's gone through you know you know what i would call uh, astronomical changes in terms of where it's come the mindset and the technologies and i i'm of the viewpoint that it is the way forward for a much more equal money system which benefits more people and that's one of the reasons why there is a, a concerted effort to make it look bad because the benefits it potentially can bring to a small, to a, a wider group of people. Because, you know, I, I saw a statistic that I think it was uh, 30% of the globe's population is unbanked. And that means they don't have access to um, banking systems, money transfer systems, but they, but there's more people on the planet with a mobile phone than have electricity. So therefore, if you think about those two juxtapositions, the the need for money and the movement of money unimpeded by people who benefit from generating that money, you know, money machine goes brrr, and those furthest away don't really get any don't really get any benefits. You know what I'm saying? I know <laughs> they don't get any benefits. So I think that's the reason why. Bitcoin is really, you know, an important development in in human human relations. I don't know. I mean, top chick, what do you think about what you've been listening to? And do we have any speakers that want to contribute? Um, no, I'm just I'm just listening. I just think it's very interesting. Um, I remember just, I was just, I was actually whilst Luke was talking, I was remembering that um, whole game thing because I remember lots of little people started buying those buying those shares up, and um, mm. all of a sudden it became this big no-no and they, you know, they had to do something about it. So I agree with him completely when he said, you know, as soon as um, the little people start making investments or, or gaining any benefit, the big boys always move the goalposts and make their, make the little people sort of like pay mm. for mm. their, for their insolence. I'll put it that way. How very <laughs> dare you? you know, it's kind of like, how very dare you think that you, you know, you can run with the big boys kind of thing or the, big um, or the big people let's let's be um very inclusive here because yeah. we're kind of genderizing it now with the big I, uh, people yeah, with the big thank people. you so much the yeah. big folks the big the folks, big folks yeah, yeah, yeah the big folks. big folks um but um yeah no i'm just listening because I, I i mean i don't know enough about cryptocurrency not really as i mm. said previously i did have an opportunity to buy some bitcoin once and I just didn't really think it was, a, you know, I thought it was a fad. I'm just going to be honest. I thought it was a fad. 
everybody, everybody, everybody <laughs> did top chick. You know, I, I, I missed the boat, and I could have made a lot, and I didn't do it. I, I, mean, know, I we're just, talking you know, tens of millions I could have made. I wasn't in that position, but I certainly had the opportunity to buy a few coins, and I genuinely, I just thought, oh yeah, I might, I might, I might, and then I just stopped thinking of it as a bit of a fad. And, you know, how wrong was I? It's like, like saying, you know, I didn't recognize it for what it was. But I do think if we can get, my thing is, I'm all about equity. I'm mm. all about sharing wealth. I really am. I just think that there's something acutely wrong with the society that we live in when you've got five men who have more money than, I think I, I've read the statistic where they have more money than some of the 10 poorest countries put together. I mean, I just, it's just a ridiculous set of circumstances. It's just gross. Uh, I think it's, it's, gross. it's just, it's gross. It's, gross. it's greed. It's, it's exactly what I'm looking greed. for. Gross greed. It's gross greed. And yeah. it's not necessary. Mm. Um, but we, you know, we live in, living in the West, we, um, you know, we're taught that this kind of behavior is okay while people around us are dying and starving. So I think, you know, obviously I watch with interest what happens is what's happening in, in, in um, El Salvador because now Bitcoin is an official currency there. But yeah. what, I, what, what, what I don't understand is if there's only 21 million mm. Bitcoin and so many are taken out of circulation every so often, mm. how then would people your average Joe, be able to have access. Because one of the things that Luke said was that, you know, at some point it might, you know, it might um, stable, it might be stable out at, you know, 100 million per coin. So how does yeah. the average person then have access? Well, they won't have access to a coin. How would they no, have you access get a to piece. A, a piece of a coin? How would you yeah. even have access okay, to Okay, because what this is, um, you can correct me, um, Luke and Crypto G, because this is my layperson's understanding, that a Bitcoin is divisible in the same way that a, uh, a pound is divisible. And you can buy pieces of that divisible um, um, Bitcoin. So... Yeah. Let's yes, say you want to get... Oh, go on, Luke, go on. Yes, sorry to interrupt. The, the same way there's 100 cents in every dollar, there's what's called 100 million Satoshis in every Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is divided into 100 million subunits called Satoshis. Um, and that's and so it'll be infinitely divisible. Um, and that is how... When, so in the future, you won't be going to the shops and buying a loaf of bread for 0 0.0001 of a Bitcoin, you'll go to the shops and a loaf of bread will cost 100 Satoshis or 10 Satoshis. Right. See, now that I know, so I understand that. So then, then that, then if, if the Bitcoin... Oh, no, see, now I think that like, the penny has dropped or the Satoshi has dropped. Oh, oh very good. Uh, <laughs> very I know, good. I know, I know, I know. Well done, well done. I know. How, yeah, that was just you know, such wit. But then because then, if, if you've got one Bitcoin that is infinitely divisible, mm -hmm. that is what stops the inflation, isn't it? Because is that, is that right? That is what stops it from being... That's, that's, what, stop, that's what stops the inflation. Because you're not actually making any more Bitcoins. That's correct. Nobody can create any more Bitcoins. So the US government is creating an extra 30% of dollars every single year. So they're increasing the money supply by 30% every year. 
And, they, and that's why the price of gas, the price of food, the price of houses, it's all up 20 to 30% over the past year because somebody was able to change the rules and create new money. So Bitcoin, just, yeah. So that's yeah. what that, so basically, um, you kind of, you, you bash inflation over the head because no more Bitcoins can be created because there's a finite number as opposed yeah. to infinite amounts of dollars or pounds or naira yeah. or whatever. So okay. you can't, I think, I think the way I it works, it. my understanding of the way it works is that each year or I think each period, they have what's called a halving and the halving takes a certain amount of Bitcoin out of the marketplace. But because it's an algorithm and you can mine Bitcoin, you can know how many Bitcoin will be in the marketplace in 10 years. So you've got that kind of comfort of predictability. And then because it's just like demand and supply. So if you have this, um, if you think about gold, gold is as a, um, as a, um, a store of value, not like something you take into Waitrose and say, you know, I want my bread, here's a gold bar. But just I put it down and it stays there. Um, sorry, that was Lidl's. I was, I was punching above my weight with the Waitrose um, reference there. But, um, yeah. I but do Waitrose, you... it's fine. <laughs> I do, I I do, do Waitrose. I do Waitrose. Uh, uh, right, you're very push. Very push indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm thinking is that what happens is if you think about the value going forward of that proportion of your your store of value your your um your gold bar it gets because it's not less that you can't find any more gold in the world then that's going to become more and more valuable because it's finite whereas the difference with money or what they call fiat money is that it's not finite and the the, the lack of infiniteness creates inflation because inflation is effectively built into the system. So my example of what my one pound bought me in 1977, which was pie, chips, a calipo, Mars bar and mojos, all for one pound. Now I can't even get a packet of crisp for the same price, you know, or I can. And then the crisp, you know, the crisp of dust at the bottom of the bag, there's so few crisps in there. It's more you're paying for the plastic. Exactly right. How's my reception? Have you got me? I'm outside. I, I put headphones on. Can you guys still? Hear no, me? no. We we can still hear you, Luke. We okay. can still hear you. Yeah. So the, you're a hundred percent right. A good money must be a good store of value. It must be hard money. It must be very hard to produce and change the supply of it. That's why gold has pretty much been the dominant form of money and store of value for the past five thousand years. Because gold is very hard to find, it's very rare, and it's very scarce. And that's exactly what Bitcoin essentially replicates and takes to the nth degree. Because unlike gold, we can always find more gold. With Bitcoin, you can never create any more Bitcoin. You guys talked about the halving and how that algorithm works. Um, that's exactly right. So there's these computers called Bitcoin miners. They get paid um, what's called uh, the block reward subsidy every 10 minutes for checking and processing the transactions on the Bitcoin ledger. So these computers, these miners, they every 10 minutes, they put a new block onto the Bitcoin blockchain that generally has around one to 2,000 transactions packaged into it. These miners spend lots of electricity running the Bitcoin algorithm and running these specialized Bitcoin computers, and they get paid, um, they get paid in Bitcoin to do this. So for the first four years of Bitcoin's life, these miners got paid 
50 Bitcoin every 10 minutes to process the transactions and put the blocks onto the blockchain. Four years later in 2012, we had a halving. And instead of getting paid 50 Bitcoin per block, these Bitcoin miners got paid 25 Bitcoin per block. And then the same thing happened in 2016. The mining rewards got cut from 25 to 12.5. And then the same thing happened again four years later in 2020. The Bitcoin miners today get paid 6.25 Bitcoin um, for every single block that they put on the Bitcoin blockchain. And that happens around every 10 minutes. So they're literally, oh. so sorry, I was just going to say, so they're building in scarcity and scarcity is what is creating the value. Well, the scarcity is already uh, programmed that way. So Satoshi Nakamoto developed this system, this protocol 13 years ago. Um, they're more just checking the rules and they're making sure that all the transactions are fair and they're valid. No, but if you're taking out, so, but what, yeah, but, yeah but, so, but if you're taking out X amount of Bitcoin out of the system, if I'm understanding it correctly, it just becomes more scarce. And because it becomes more scarce, because human beings value scarcity, so it then pushes up the value. Luke? I missed a little bit of your question. Yeah, what, what, I missed what, your question there, Mark. Oh, okay, so basically what she was, what um, Topchik was saying was that because of the reduction in the mining fees over each four-year period, does that make Bitcoin more scarce? I think he's in the blockchain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Luke, he's yeah. still there. Hey, real Did quick, you hear I the question? Do you want to ask? Yeah, you, go on then, Crypto G. You give, you give real, your thoughts. What he's saying is every four years, the mining, the mining rate drops. That's all it does. So the miners get less and less Bitcoin every four years. So it'll have every four years until it's literally down to... Uh, now, you're not actually removing Bitcoin out of the 21 million. You're just giving them less mining of that Bitcoin. The amount of new Bitcoin that's dropped into circulation gets cut in half. That's So there's always going to be um, 21 million coins created in the future. But so far, we've only created 18 million coins or 19 million coins now, actually. So the reason that the price Come. is affected by these... What's that? I said, so there's more Bitcoins to come. We haven't reached the 21 million, uh, like, uh, optimum level of circulation. That's right. We won't create okay. the we won't create the 21st million Bitcoin until the year 2140. So you, it's determinable. You can actually know at this point that's when it's going to happen. So that in itself is very different from fiat money. Exactly right. And that's what makes Bitcoin valuable. The fact that nobody can create any more Bitcoin and we know exactly how many Bitcoins will be created when. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin. Well, Luke and Crypto G, it's now 2010.09 and I'm just conscious that we've been doing Bitcoin for a while and I haven't come on to my big questions, which is, is World War Three likely? What about a United Ireland? Is that likely? And any thoughts on the Queen's speech? Um, are some of the enjoyable questions which I'm going to have for the next session of the show. <clears throat> but I, before I do draw this part of the show to a conclusion, 
Is there anyone else, Top Chick, who wanted to have a question? I've got a couple of DMs which I can go to, but I just wondered if there were any speakers who wanted to come up and give their thoughts or views or contribute in some way. Ask a question if, uh, if, if they wanted to. It would seem if, not. If we're wrapping up the... If, if we're wrapping up the Bitcoin section, um, I would just love to say um, thanks for having me. Um, and I would encourage Lovely. the listeners. Yeah, no worries. And I would just encourage the listeners to steer away from the promises of a lot of these 12,000 altcoins. Um, we've talked a lot about how valuable it is that we've created a form of money that can't be changed and, and it affords everybody the same set of rules. And there's no rulers in Bitcoin. Um, but all of these other altcoins and cryptocurrencies, that's actually not true, and that's not the case. Um, all of the other 12,000 altcoins are controlled by a small group of people who can change the rules whenever they want to. So, Bitcoin and Top Bitcoin chip, your mic, please. Sorry about that. No, not you, Luke. Go on, because um, I just had some background noise from Top Chick. Go ahead, um, Luke. <clears throat> yeah, I, I was just saying, um, like, the reason that I only buy Bitcoin is because I think it's the only innovation in space. It's only it's the only cryptocurrency that is fully decentralized and can't be controlled by anyone. And um, yeah. I'm happy to take any questions if anyone has any. Um, all of the other altcoins... They essentially replicate the current financial system. So Ethereum, Luna's the greatest and latest example of this. They're all controlled by a small handful of people who are able to change the rules um, and be their own kind of rulers on the blockchain. Uh, Bitcoin fixes this. Um, so thanks for having me. I'm always around on Twitter. If anyone has any questions, hit me up. I'm happy to help new people in the Bitcoin space. Um, Luke, before you go, I would just like to say thank you <clears throat> to you and Crypto G because um, the, 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 you guys came into the space and Luke, I did ask you um, beforehand, but Crypto G, you were just like, as I see it, you are orbiting in the space, which is wonderful. And you came in and also gave some insights. And Luke, I really appreciate you coming to the space because quite a lot of the people, like I said, <clears throat> and I include myself in there, I have done some reading, mind you, and I do know a little bit about it. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I do know a little bit about it, but I really appreciate you coming in and speaking to the group because the group, you know, my the little community that we have, sometimes we have loads of people and other times we have small amounts of people. But what I always say is that to me, it doesn't matter about the size. Because, you know, what matters is that people are here and they want to contribute and they want to be part of the space. And I and I really appreciate you coming, Luke. And, uh, you know, if you're happy to come back again, you and Crypto G, I really would appreciate you maybe popping back at a later date. You know, just see this group as somewhere that you can come and impart knowledge and, you know, maybe um, on occasions be the lead speakers on uh, all things crypto and Bitcoin. I would absolutely love to. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I actually, I'm a co-host on a podcast called uh, Bitcoin Made Simple. So if anyone's listening and they, you know, they may need to listen to my explanation of one of the things I've talked about today twice, um, I might grab the recording off you if that's okay, Denise, and I'll post it up on my YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, please, you can use the recording, no problem at all. Because the other thing is, um, is that I've got a quick question as well from whatever and it says here <clears throat> um he told us about the blockchain thanks he says thanks so much to you and the speakers love this discussion and lots of cryptos making moves into the non-profit spaces as well and it says can luke talk about kyc and i'm not quite sure what that is um whatever but maybe luke knows 
Um, can Luke talk about KYC and how that affects the decentralization concept? Also, there are like 12 million missing BTC, I believe. It's lost in somebody's computer. So, Luke, do you want to just jump on that quickly? Hey, or can, I, can I chime in real quick, Luke, before you go? Um, KYC, yeah, sure. I, know, I know he'll talk more about it. It's Know Your Customer. One of the oh. things I wanted to mention to Luke was um, I truly believe that, remember I was telling you earlier, I think that we're, we're in this uh, new realm of, of, you know, whether it's Bitcoin that's going to lead the way for our, you know, uh, new, you know, the new world, basically, the, the, the way banking is working with uh, DeFi, which is uh, decentralized finance, away from, you know, uh, at, uh, CEX, which is centralized exchanges, versus the DEX, DEX, which is the uh, decentralized exchanges. So, but I think what's going to happen, and maybe Luke, maybe you can give your opinion. I, I truly believe that they are going to somehow work together at some point to where you can not, it's not going to be like a decentralized finance, uh, ex, excuse me, a DeFi token like, you know, uh, Bitcoin, where it will work with the banks in the future possibly I, I truly believe it's not going to just be it's bitcoin and that's it um, i truly believe banks are going to create their own digital currency where it will work with um a bitcoin um you know however they you know do the algorithms and the, and the computing and stuff like that and building the actual you know uh future of what we're talking about but um, maybe you can address that and i just wanted to say thank you for having me on the show and i appreciate it but i, I just wanted to address those two things no worries crypto g no worries at all yes so look do you want to jump on of course yeah so when when i say it's going to be bitcoin and bitcoin only in the future that's at the very that's in the next 10 to 15 years when it's all shaken out you're probably right, Crypto G. Banks in the intermediate term will try to maybe use DeFi. They may even use a lot of these centralized cryptocurrencies. They may even uh, adopt things like DeFi, which isn't actually decentralized at all. But it's, it's only decentralized in name only. I call it Dino, not DeFi. Dino stands for decentralized in name only. Um, but yes, and I KYC. That's called know your customer. So when you use okay. these big exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken and Gemini, what they do is before you can buy Bitcoin on these exchanges, they make you give up your identification and your ID and your passport so they know their customer. They know you. They see your ID. So they're able to track you on the blockchain of what Bitcoin you own. And that's why I tell people, don't ever buy Bitcoin on a Coinbase or a Gemini um, or Kraken, any of these centralized exchanges, the best way to buy Bitcoin is in person with cash where you can buy it anonymously um, or you use a decentralized exchange uh, like HODL HODL or BISC. There's some great decentralized exchanges. Um, so that obviously, it, it doesn't really centralize the protocol. So KYC doesn't necessarily centralize Bitcoin. It's just better if more of the supply is held uh, anonymously. Um, and to, to the last point that was in there, the last point is about the 12 million coins that is on the one hard drive. Um, I know people have lost lots of Bitcoin. I think that person has probably lost $12 million worth of Bitcoin. Um, so out of the 18 million coins or the 19 million coins that had been created, 
there's an estimations that three to four million coins have been lost. Um, so obviously, the less coins that are for sale, the higher the price will go in the future when the demand comes in. Um, and I think there's a start, 12 to 13 million Bitcoins actually haven't moved in over a year. Um, so people are holding on to their Bitcoin for the long term. They understand that they're not going to sell their Bitcoin until it's worth much, much more in the many million dollars per coin. Um, it's only a, There's only three to four million coins that actually circulate on exchanges uh, daily for people to buy. I was just going to say, because I remember, um, I know that some of these really big companies have um, invested in Bitcoin and um, they've put like pension funds and all sorts of things on it. But what I was going to say, Denise, if you don't mind, is that I, I found this really interesting. And I, I mean, I, my understanding is better. I did read a book called Bitcoin Money You Can't F With which I thought was really interesting and it's a book that I want to go back to. And I think now that I've heard Luke and Crypto G um, talking about it, I'm going to go, I'm going to talk, I'm going to go back to that book um, and and listen again because it's written by, uh, I think he's a crypto miner. But if one day when you're doing one of these spaces, Uh, that the predominant, uh, um, the predominant conversation could be about, about crypto because i think it's one of those things that is going to have an impact on all our lives Mm. in the not too distant future and people Mm. do need to be prepared and i think these two speakers in 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 my view okay i've not heard of other people and i so i don't know who else is out there but in my view from what i've heard these two gentlemen seem to be an authority on this and it would be nice to have a space dedicated to this kind of conversation I, I, I agree completely because <clears throat> what I also think is is fantastic is that one they came into the space and two the way you the way they were able to to talk about the subject I think was done in a way that for those people who didn't have uh, a strong knowledge or they just had a passing knowledge today would have been something that they could have found interesting because I noticed Bell was clapping at the bottom there, which is nice because we don't usually have these conversations. We have sometimes we, we talk and touch about things, but we haven't had someone come into the space to speak specifically about crypto. So Luke and Crypto G, oh, look, yeah, I'm get, can, we give, can we show Luke and Crypto G some appreciation, people, for those people who are listening? <clears throat> can you give us some emojis? and some claps so that we can let them know that, that we appreciate their time and their space because it was really good for them to come in and, you know, give us and share the knowledge. So thank you very much, guys. Please, if you want to stay for the rest of the show, please do. If you've got a shoot-off, that's not too, that's fine as well. Don't feel like you have to stay, but if you want to stay, that's cool. But, I mean, we just want to let, look, people are showing you all the respect. Look, we got Rick, we got Black Business Links, we had Bell, back the bottom down here i'm just going down and scrolling through oh look at that megan it is whatever people are just showing all the respect and the love that's lovely so thank you so much guys and thank you for showing the speakers that we appreciate their time and their knowledge and their skill set so just so that i can reset the time i am going to try and finish as close to quarter past 11 as possible. I know we haven't touched on the big questions, which I am going to touch on, right? But the time now is 22.21. You are listening to the Headley Highlight Show, which is a Friday night political 
talk show for your news, views and conversation. We have just had Luke and Crypto G on the mic sharing the knowledge about Bitcoin and all things crypto. And they will be coming back. And uh, I thought that was a fabulous conversation. Now, just so that you, we can reset the show, the, this is an interactive show and it involves all of you. Please retweet the space, invite and share on all of your social media platforms. I also have a hashtag. And well done, Luke. You didn't use a single expletive. So more praise for you. Well done. I'm giving you another heart for that. Excellent. Well done. Yes, well done. <laughs> because my space is a swear spree. A swear-free space. Okay, so this is an interactive show and it involves all of you. Retweet the space and invite and share on all of your social media platforms. I also have a hashtag for the show called The Headly Highlight, The Headly Headlines, and The Big Questions. And if you use these, it will help to promote the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Denise underscore Headley. You can email me at deniseheadley.com at gmail.com. You can follow me at TikTok at Denise underscore Headley 900, or you can DM me if you want to speak anonymously. The Headley Highlight Show is written, produced, edited, and stars Denise Headley and all of you, and it is a splendiferous production. Now, the show is usually split into uh, two sections, the Headley Headlines and the Big Question of the Week. And we've done the headlines, but we haven't done the Big Questions of the Week. And the Big Questions of the Week are... Is Finland and Sweden making Europe more unsafe by seeking to join NATO? Question number one. Should the Queen retire and let Prince Charles be the acting monarch? Question number two. How effective are sanctions and are we hurting ourselves other than the Russians? Question number three. Question four is, now that Sinn Féin are the... Um, the, the majority party in the Northern Ireland Assembly is a United Ireland a possibility. And question five, the Queen's speech, were you impressed? So Rick's up there. Yes, Rick. <laughs> Jump on the mic, brother. <laughs> I've done your job for you, Top Chick. Hello, Rick. How you doing? Hello, Rick. Yeah, he's still connecting, see, because you interfered. He would have been there. Oh, already. sorry. It's my but, fault, Popchick. Yeah, I, yeah. I consider but myself what, scolded. Consider yourself <laughs> told. But can I just say, may I remind people that if you do want to remain anonymous in the, in the DMs, please state that at the beginning, that you do not want your name read out when your questions are asked, yeah. so that when Denise reads them, she doesn't say, and Jan from wherever has this question, and then Jan says at the bottom, I'd like to remain anonymous. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going what's on. What's your thought? Well, if we, like, well, Rick is trying to um, um, connect potential. Rick is trying to connect. connect oh, Rick is trying to connect potentially. So, do you have any thoughts about whether or not World War Three is likely? With the fact um, that Finland and Sweden are making moves to join NATO, and I've got a DM for that effect. And also, just just mute your mic until you're ready to speak, Top Chick, because I can hear your animals, your mammals, your quadrupeds, and the television. So, question number one, let me just go through it again for you, Top Chick. Do you think that World War Three is likely? That was my headly headspace, but you can jump on that if you like. Is no. 
Finland, okay, so that's a no. Do you think Finland and Sweden joining NATO is making Europe more unsafe? I don't know. I, that's one I have to think about. I mean, I, I have been thinking about what the potential issues are with that. Um, but it's it's one where I, I, I need to give that one more thought before okay. I, um, I comment on that one. Next. Next, should the Queen retire and let Charles be the acting monarch? Yes. Okay. How effective are sanctions? And are we hurting ourselves more than we are hurting the Russians? Hashtag 10% inflation, soaring food prices, and a potential global food shortage. And no sunflower oil. Yes, 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 <laughs> and yes to that. <laughs> okay. Do you think a united island is now possible with the victory of Sinn Féin in Northern Ireland? Yes, and more power to them. But hasn't the, um, <clears throat> the DUP not agreed to sit as second minister? Yes, they have, and I think it's totally disrespectful of the fact that Sinn Féin have now won, because I don't think that Sinn Féin had... Well, I mean, it's not that I don't think. I think evidence. the evidence shows that when the DUP were winning mm -hmm. in those elections, Sinn Féin, even when you had the hardliners like yeah. Martin McGuinness and um, Gerry Adams, they continually turned up. They always turned up because they put... Ireland first. They put well, not not, not Northern not, Ireland. Northern Ireland. Sorry, they put mm. Northern Ireland first and the needs of the Northern Irish first, as mm -hmm. opposed to what the um, DUP are now doing. If I understand it correctly, is they are more concerned with their with this um, Northern Ireland Protocol, which the current government signed and are now seeking to Amen. again. Re renege I'm, I'm not even going to be well, honest what, about it that's what's they're in the Queen's speech they're, they're seeking to renege on what it mm -hmm. is they have done in a very mm -hmm. controlled and limited way even though <laughs> they Mr. are um, yeah you know even though they signed a treaty I don't understand how you can sign a treaty and then decide I don't like it and you know it's like it's like any other contract it's You're like bound the same by treaty the... that we hang on. It's the same treaty that we signed over refugees. You're not exactly. allowed. To, they, they, you know, you, you can't criminalise the routes that they're coming along, and that's what the uh, nationality and borders bill does. It criminalises the route. Well, you know, you 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 know, you can't. You, you know, you, it's like I, I I look at it as any other contract. You can't just renege on it because you don't like what you signed. You're actually supposed to read it beforehand. So. Clearly, again, that just goes to show the incompetence of the people by whom we are governed. All right, what's your last question? Last question was, the Queen's speech, were you impressed? Now, let me just give you some of the flavours that was in the Queen's speech. Let me just put my glasses back on again, because I like to rest the old retinas in between conversations. We had the levelling up and regeneration bill. We also had the energy security bill. Uh, the regeneration bill will pave the way for further devolution of powers to local communities and unlock powers for local councils, bring empty premises back into use and regenerate high streets, extend our fresco dining and also give residents the opportunity to change the names of streets. 
hugely democratic and very important. Then we also had the Energy Security Bill will look to protect households from surging prices by reducing the UK's reliance on foreign imports made more pressing. We have the Renters Reform Bill, which will abolish so-called no-fault Section 21 evictions and strengthen landlords' rights of possession. We had a non-domestic rating bill that relates to your rates. We'll seek to modernise the business rate systems with more frequent valuations. And this one, I think, is the one that I'm sure that Sean was interested in. The uh, public order bill will make it illegal and bail to obstruct major transport works and also um, Ranger Paul because he emailed me about this this week um, obstructing major works um, maintenance and projects such as HS2 then we had the Brexit Freedom Bill so that we can repeal all the laws from Europe then we have a Bill of Rights which I think is interesting because I'd be very keen to know who is eligible to be um, covered by that Bill of Rights we also had the Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill. So down with oligarchs, up with transparency. The bill will aim to make it harder for kleptocrats, criminals and terrorists to engage in money laundering, corruption, terrorism and financing illegal arms. I'm just wondering if any of the overseas territories and sovereign wealth funds will be in there. And then we also have the National Security Bill, which will bring in a new offence to tackle state-backed sabotage, foreign interference and theft. I'm wondering if this bill will actually cover the British Virgin Islands. I don't think so. And then we have the Online Safety Bill. That will allow, uh, create more uh, rigour on social media companies and then the one that paved the way for the selling off of channel 4 the media bill so the queen's speech are you going to go in it or are you or are you asking are me you if i'm impressed i'm asking no. you okay, i thought i'd no. give you some flavors just in case you wanted to touch on there there were 38 bills yeah, there were 38 bills, and all of which, or the significant proportion of which, were basically geared to curbing our freedoms as opposed to doing anything else. And um, again, you know, I thought what I thought was interesting. I saw a tweet, and it was just it just summed up the whole the whole thing. So the Queen didn't attend, although she managed to attend. She's the only person that I know that can that I can possibly think of who basically doesn't turn up for work but then still go to the horses. <laughs> she went to the horses. This, she went to the horses today, but she didn't turn up to the job. Oh, damn. Um, Treason. She, um, Burn the uh, <laughs> um, she, yeah. But the crown, the actual physical crown, which is worth, I don't know, two or three billion, was transported mm. to the Houses of Parliament in a car worth something like 30 million sat next to sat oh had its own chair made of solid gold wow. next to a man who looked at it one of the wealthiest men in the country who is you know from the duchy of cornwall and all this inherited wealth and yet we have no money then people are told we have no money to be told that- we will do something for you but not yet. But just not today. So, no, well, not yet. So, no, I was not impressed by the Queen's speech. I had, I, I mean, I, the likelihood of me being impressed by the Queen's speech. There was nothing in there that's going to help the average person. There's not that, that. Well, it's going to help the other p- average person to have less rights. 
it's going to help the, I mean, I don't understand how we can have this oligarch's bill or what have you, then that means the whole government should just not be there. And the crime and corruption bill, they shouldn't be there. So, well, I'm just wondering you know, how many of them were oh, excluded from the bill itself. Because exactly. I think, um, you know, I think so, we had a speaker the other day, and we had a speaker the other day, and the speaker was saying that some of the environmental taxes, the Crown has made sure that they are exempt from those payments. I'm not, I'm not sure what they are, but this whole idea that oligarchs are only where of, of a fantasy, you'll find there's quite a lot of oligarchs exactly. I out mean, there. I think, and also, I mean, you're talking about the Crown being exempt from these green taxes and stuff. I wrote, there was an article in The Guardian, I'm pretty sure it was The Guardian, which spoke about, or The Observer, but it was certainly a left-leaning paper which spoke about the monarch's lawyers having the opportunities to look at legislation before it is passed to ensure that the workings of the monarchy are not impeded by the legislation. So that could be on land reform, it could be on, you know, it could be on anything. And I just think that this, you know, we... we we live in this country where we think that we are so, you know, that the Queen is just there and, yeah, she's a wily old girl. I don't care what anyone tells me. She might be nearly 100, but her faculties are fully there. And, you know, she is making sure that her family in the next 100 years are in the same position that they're in now. Okay. And, you know, you've got, you know, and, and, and so I, I just think the whole thing just annoys me. But anyway, that's me. Rick, what have you got to say? Because you've waited. Thank you, Rick. Hi, everybody. Hi, Tom Shake. Hi, Denise. How are you all? Oh, we're good. Nice to hear your voice. Have you have a good, good week? Thank you. I have had a good week, actually. Um, I travelled um, last week, so I missed your last Friday session, unfortunately. I forgive um, you. Don't worry. <laughs> I had the privilege of going to India. It was my first time going to India. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. I had a really good week, um, holiday away. Came back to street this week and went straight to work. So it's been oh. a it's been a bit a little bit a busy and um, week since being back. But no, uh, it's always great to join your spaces. You and Topjik do an amazing job, and um, I, I, I'm thrilled to be able to take part in this session of the conversation with regards to the um, the top questions. Um, right. So where you landing? Do you want me well, to go through them, or do you want to I just land on your favourite one first? <laughs> I, I think I'll, I, I definitely echo Top Chick's analysis of the Queen's speech and I absolutely 100% agree with her on yeah. every single point, especially the point about a crown worth X billions of pounds sat in a car of its own also worth X billions of pounds. We then had the government telling nurses, um, I think a year ago or so, that they have no man magic monitoring to pay nurses who look after this country's population. Um, they had no money for social workers who are looking after the country's population. They have no money for junior doctors who are also looking after the country's population. They have no money for anybody, but they do have money for a, a, a hat to be carried in a special car. Oh, that Easy, <laughs> Rick. A hat. I like it. I like it. <laughs> you know, you've got to be honest with what we're seeing. It's just, you know, the, the out-of-touchness with the 
the monarchy and the government and the way they treat people, it's just extraordinary. And of, I'm kind of a Republican anyway, so I don't really vibe with the whole monarchy thing. Um, on account of a lot of that gold was actually not dug up in Cornwall or Kent. So there you go. Now, the issue I have is how do people who are actually monarchists feel about what Club Green's Beach was? Because that's what I'd like to hear from people who actually bow to statues and bow to the Queen and bow to the systems. How do they feel about the fact that their children's uniform they can't afford. They've got to go to food banks, but apparently you can't cook, and that's why you're going to a food bank. How do they feel? Because that's what I want to hear, because I'm already not a pro-monarchy person anyway. So I just don't find it fascinating at all. But I want to hear from people who actually like monarchy and who think that the Queen is conquering the world on their behalf and making sure that they live in a much more comfortable position. I want to hear how they feel. So that's that one. Top check, you nailed the analysis on the Queen's um, speech. None of, none of the stuff I heard represents me. The landlord stuff, I'm not a landlord. Um, the oligarch thing, well, I don't have oligarch friends. Boris Johnson does. So... You know, none of it represents me. A lot of it, you know, is a repression of my civil rights to protest. Um, so that's not, none of it was for me. So that's the Queen's speech part. I think the other question also on Finland and Sweden, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so my question was, mm-hmm. is World War Three likely? Mm-hmm. Because the other, and the other part of that question is, do you think that mm-hmm. Sweden and Finland Seeking to join NATO is making Europe more unsafe. So, do I think World War Three is more likely? I, I don't think so. However, I am concerned about the fact that we've got, obviously, nuclear power countries now talking about if we are threatened, we would be considering activating nuclear weapons. So that is something that is quite concerning. Um, I just hope to God that none of these nuclear power countries will be silly enough to press the button. But specifically to the question about Finland and Sweden, I think it's un- I think it's unbelievable what is actually going on. I think obviously I re- I understand where Sweden and Finland are kind of coming from and probably making it a hasty decision. However, the people who will actually have to live in fear are ultimately now going to be the Finnish people and the Swedish people. Because Russia's retaliation is simply going to be, well, if NATO is going to be on our borders, we are simply going to militarize even more that particular part of our country's borders. That basically means any Finnish people, any Swedish people who live by their Russian border will now be living in fear because there will be a militarized um, region of their whole country's border with Russia where they don't know what the Russians are going to do if, for example, a Russian general wakes up and they're you know, feeling quite rubbish and wants to do something radical. So I don't think this move actually enhances peace at all. I think it's actually, I think, a, a parallel of probably the Iron, or the, the Iron Curtain back in the day after World War II. Um, I feel like for more, me, because I feel like we're in another Cold War now, but it's a more, it's a newer Cold War. Absolutely, I, I feel, I feel the same, Denise. I feel like it, it's a Cold War. I never lived in that part of history where there was the active Cold War. But I do feel like if there was a Cold War, I'm feeling it now. You know, we've got a situation yeah. where Russia, a nuclear power, a country that our governments and our military powers have told us is our adversary and i am sure to uh, russia also they've been told that nato is their adversary and i think sometimes what frustrates me about the way the western 
competitive yes we're told to analyze is is that we are perfect nature is innocent nature is blessed by god oh and yeah we, i know and, and you know that's what really annoys me it's like why and it's so, so simplistic gullible? and you know what you know do you know what i find interesting i was listening i was doing a little bit of research myself rick and i found out that the finnish people historically are seen mm. as a foe by russia so the Ukrainians are seen as brothers, and that brotherly affection is um, is actually impacting on the way in which the war is being prosecuted. Now, Finland had a treaty, I think it was in 1948, which was amended in 1991, I think, or 92, whereby they agreed to be neutral because of their history, because during the Second World War, I think the people in St. Petersburg starved, and the Finns were integral in helping that occur. So, what the, the, the guy who I was listening to, he said, look, if Finland thinks that they can just join NATO and then be part of that block and Russia takes no action because Russia did say it's a red line, a bit the way in which the Australians, Americans and the UK talked about the red line that's being faced in the Solomon Islands. They, I'm concerned that they will be, put it this way, I don't think they'll be, have, they'll be treated in the same way as they're treating the Ukrainians in the sense that they haven't obliterated the country. There is war, but they haven't obliterated it. Whereas the Finns, I don't think they have that desire to be so kind, is my view. Not that that's going to happen, but I'm concerned. That was my thinking. Are you still there, Rick? Yeah, he is. It's just that I muted him because, I, I don't know, there was a lot of background noise. So, Rick, please come back on because I couldn't hear what you were saying, Denise. Oh, oh can you hear me? All now? right, okay. Can I, can I yes, hear we can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, great. Um, Denise, I, again, I completely, completely agree. You know, we are talking about a Ukraine that is meant to be a brotherly nation to Russia. And because of the circumstances, obviously, Russia is doing what they're doing. Now, when you take a country that isn't even their friends, if something was to go way off, we are talking about something that's going to be quite disgusting. So I just feel like, you know, NATO and the West. Rick, are you still there? The greatest thing has advanced. Hello? It's created a massive... Hello? Can, can you still hear me? Hello? Hiya. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, great. Um, oh, yeah, so Hello? Thought, hi, can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. I'm assuming everybody else can because no one else is doing yeah, it. But yeah, we can hear you, Rick. Okay. So... Yeah, so I just I, I just don't think this creates peace at all, okay. and I do really and I do really think that you know Europeans, Western people, we need to stop analysing this from point of view that NATO is a holy thing, blessed by the you know Holy Ghost fire. It's not. <laughs> and, and, and I, I the blood of Jesus Europeans, is upon NATO. <laughs> yeah, I think Europeans need to stop killing themselves. Oh, it's creating a blinding effect and it's a it's a smokescreen nato is not some holy thing and nor is russia but you know this way of analyzing the situation is really clouding opinions and if there was like a vote i can see many europeans voting to go to war but it's just ridiculous because we're being led by indoctrination and propaganda so no i don't well that's what i was saying in my my face this but you see i did my headly headspace which is my new experiment right 
And I did that today, and I talked about this conversation that my friend had, and he's a dog walker, and the, him and the dog walker were, were having a conversation, and the dog walker said his friend was concerned about World War Three, And then I said, look, you know, how come we're in this, this state of thinking about it? Because if you think about how much money is being given to the war effort, it is huge. And that amount of money could, you know, that amount of money could create schools, roads. It could, it could probably eradicate poverty in those countries that are giving it to the war effort. But there, you know, there isn't the question. And I, and I'm saying that I think we're being primed. You know, we're in, a, we're being placed in a state of anxiety where we're actually having World War Three. But it happens, and it's happening in our Perth, as opposed yeah. to on the battlefield in the high street. And those people are saying, oh, we've got to do more, we've got to do more. And each time they're taking more money that you previously would have wanted to be spent on your local schools, providing good education and whatever. And it's going outside of the country to the war effort. And I bet you any money in a few mornings, a lot of people are going to be buying small islands because the amount of money that's going, I'm worrying about the audit trail. Who's keeping a, who's keeping a lock on that cash? Yeah, exactly, and who's keeping a lock on where the guns are going and how they're being used? Exactly! You know, you're completely right at this. And you know, America, for me, like, Americans don't even have a universal healthcare system. They've no. got people with diabetes who can't afford insulin. They've got people with chronic diseases who can't afford a regular checkup. Mm. These people are suddenly being told, but we've got billions of dollars to give to Ukraine billions of dollars to give weapons worth to Ukraine and I'm just like um are Americans even using their brains right now like well I don't want to call our people stupid right but I think the point is you're constantly being given a particular flavor of the world and your perceptions are being are your the way you look at things you perceive the world in a certain way by what you see and like we had crypto g oh he's got his hands up you must have heard me thought talking mentally <laughs> crypto g right said beforehand i'm going to come to you in a second crypto g crypto g said i don't watch tv i don't own a tv so some people their way of dealing with this constant view of their this constant perception that's pushed on you is not to be involved so they don't have a television, or as someone calls it, hell lies vision. They just have, they just, <laughs> I'm not saying I believe that, but that was just something that was someone said to me and I thought it was pretty funny. I thought I'd drop it in my, in my group. But yeah, they don't have TV. But before I come to you, Crypto G, let me just give you the rest of the questions, Rick. So, should the Queen retire and let Prince Charles be the acting monarch? What do you reckon? Absolutely, well overdue. I think the Queen just needs to give her son a chance before he does before her. Okay. How effective are sanctions and are we hurting ourselves more than the Russians? We are definitely hurting ourselves more than the Russians because I feel poorer than I did a few months ago and apparently I'm actually <laughs> living a normal life, so it's not <laughs> Right? Do you think we're going to get a united island now that Sinn Féin is controlling Stormont, they're the majority party? I think, as Popchick said on this one, I think definitely yes. And also, mm -hmm. as Popchick said about the DUP, I think the DUP is deliberately trying to basically scupper any mm -hmm. hope of that by being very intransigent. Now, mm -hmm. what they're doing is not for the welfare of the people of Northern Ireland, it's okay. actually to frustrate that situation. But yeah, I think a United Ireland would be a good thing. 
because okay. what is, what are we actually doing for Northern Ireland? Like seriously, like, what well, we, we we've got this bill now, and the bill is paving the way for them to, uh, for one of a better word, they're just going to break international law. They're going to break the treaty, and 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 I'm saying to myself, you know, what kind of example is that setting around the world? And when people are trying to have deals with us. You know, we, we have a deal, and if we don't fancy it, we'll just put something through and we'll break it. I just think it makes us look weaker internationally. It makes us look uh, almost kind of rogue. Rick, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, so the long and short of it is, you, so you're, you're, you think a united island is possible. Okay, and the last one, the Queen's speech. Were you impressed? Yay or nay? I take that as a nay. I take that as a nay. I think that's a nay too. We've lost, we've lost Rick for the time being. So, Crypto G, you wanted to jump in. Jump yeah. in on the point that you... Oh, you're back, Rick. So, hang, okay, hold on a second, Crypto G. So, were you impressed with the Queen's speech, Rick? Is there anything there that made you excited and tantalised? Oh, I, Rick? I don't think we're going to get too much more from that conversation, Rick. I think the, the reception is too poor. Crypto G, do you want to jump on the mic? Because I think I saw you, your hand sure, went sure. up at yeah, some yeah. point. I, uh, you guys were talking some, some interesting things about what's going on in our world. Um, yeah. I, I truly believe that... the. the Oh. I'm here. I'm here. If you can still hear me, just mute yourself. Just mute yourself a second, Rick, because Crypto G is on the mic now. So just give me a second with Crypto G. Go on, Crypto G. Um, I was I was trying to get to a point where, um, you know, I, I like I said, I, I I think I said I don't subscribe to cable television or pay for cable television. I do have like Netflix and, and Amazon oh, Prime, okay. things like okay. that. I only, but I only watch shows. So I don't mm -hmm. really pay attention to news because I already know what the news is. Um, okay. I, you know, I, I worked in law for 20 years, so I, I can't I can't comment on on what happens on television in terms of the news. So other than that, I wanted I wanted to stress that I do own a television now. <laughs> oh, excuse uh, me, I I misquoted you because okay. I thought you okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, so tell no, me something. No, you carry on, and then I was going to come to the questions. Sure, sure. I think I think where I wanted to go with this was, you know, you're talking uh -huh. about your, your your policies around the world, and then you know, do you think World War Three could happen? Uh, of course it could. Uh, will it happen? Probably not. But is there ever a panic? Yes, it could happen. So yeah. you know, it's it, you're never gonna, you will never know. You'll just wake up. You won't wake up one morning. That's what will happen, and, and you and that's how this would happen. So understand that it's it's it's, it's either. Crypto G, that's dystopia warning. Comes. I don't mean it. I don't mean it rudely. Trust me. I, I truly believe the intentions of our governments are not to do that. But that doesn't mean that you have a um, a person who has an itchy trigger finger. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So. I just want you to understand that I truly believe we always have a diplomatic way to to uh, answer all questions and concerns and to address them uh, very professionally and 
you know, accurately to where we can fix problems. I, I truly believe the other thing is, you know, we have these wars that you're talking about. Uh, wars don't really do anything. If anything, they create more division. It just doesn't work. We've, sh we've, we've seen it over and over and over again from centuries of fighting between the Americans and the English, from us in our Civil War, from us in the uh, Spanish War. It doesn't help. The wars divide. They don't mm. bring us together. We are all humans. We are all one people. When we can create a, you know, I, I don't like saying this word, utopian society, where everyone is considered equal and fair and just, then you have a different, you, then you create a different society. You create, um, I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I've watched Star Trek in the past, so you create that Star Trek uh, mentality that we all can contribute, no matter what the cost is. What we can do is contribute, and if we can contribute, then we can we can better our society for the future. That's yeah. where I, I keep saying I think crypto is that future, but it's only one step in the um, the step stair building step step case that we have to get to. We're not there. We're never going to be at uh, that level yet until we correct our wrongs. Until we do that, you're still going to have people in power in your monarchy, like the Queen and, and the you know the, that family. And in our United States, we have lots of elite families that have more money than God, and they can mm -hmm. do whatever they want. We we either get more equality or we take it back, and that's what happens around the world. I mean, it's nice that I can actually speak to people in England right now with you. I know it's nighttime for you guys. And it's daytime for me, but I'm glad I could speak to you guys because you know you couldn't do this five years ago, mm, even definitely. three years ago. So yeah, for for me to be able to speak to someone abroad in a and in real time, in real time, and, mm -hmm. and to interact and say I'm I am a person who believes in um, you know equality for everyone. The problem is you know the people who have the money and the power don't. And they will never give it to you. They will always have their foot on your neck. I hate to say that, but show me otherwise. Show, prove to me that we can change. Prove to me that our governments and, and the people who represent us can change and can do better. When they can do that, then you're going to have something unique. But we don't have that. And I don't think in my lifetime I'll ever see it, to tell you the truth. Um, I, I, I I always hope for the better of humanity. I just don't know if we're ever going to get there. And I I think I, we will. You know why? You know why I, I think, I think yeah, we're going to get yeah. there because the things such as Bitcoin and you know whether you're you know you're like what people call a Bitcoin purist or you haven't you look at alt altcoins or you look at the stable coins. Many of those coins now are concerned with social justice and social redress. And I think that these are the moves that people are making because I got, I'm, I'm of the opinion or I'm coming to this idea that you, you know, you've got change and it's happening. It's just not necessarily in the mainstream in the way that you know. But if you're in the know, it's happening. So all the while when everything was going on, quietly somewhere, Bitcoin was being born. And then it was being adopted. And then you had the blockchain. And then you've now got Coinbase and wallets and decentralized exchanges. And you have had a whole evolution. And that was just 12 years. So 
if about those individuals or those people or those groups or those communities creating alternatives and uh, like I was saying before I was watching this um it was like a podcast with uh, Joe Rogan and um Russell Brand and they were talking about change and they were saying look you're not gonna power is what it is and it flexes and it adjusts because it's got so many levers and so many levels of interest like you said the, the, the rich families in America, the rich oligarchs over here, the rich, oli- you know, basically all the capitalist societies are run by a collection of oligarchs. You know, we just at the moment, we're not very keen with the Russian ones, but we, we you know, we're all run by oligarchs. That's how it works. That's what, you know, Black Rock is. They're, they're hedge funds. They're collections of very rich people continually doing things to benefit them, to make themselves more rich. But because there is so much inequality, and because there is so much discontent, and it's not just discontent in this country or in the Western Hemisphere, I think it's globally. People want to see that change. So I think outside of that, there's more people who, are, who want to see a different world than those who want to see things as they are. And I think they will begin to create those structures. And to me, Bitcoin is like one of those green shoots of change. And off of the back of that, you'll get other things. So that's my... my